0: my guardian angel, intercede for me. Lord, help us to meditate on the absolute center of our spiritual lives, which is your presence as a sacrament. Jesus' presence as a sacrament is the ongoing dwelling of the resurrected Jesus. Complete dwelling, total presence. Jesus teaches us. The tradition, the church emphasizes it. Ecumenical councils have solemnly declared it. He is truly present in a total way, both in his humanity and divinity, body and blood. Underneath, the appearances of bread in the tabernacle, under the appearance of wine, after the consecration of the wine. And he is present as a sacrifice. The Eucharist is all about true presence. The sacrifice of Calvary and his resurrection becomes present anytime Mass is celebrated, whether the priest rushes through the Mass. Hopefully that's not the case. Whether he's distracted, whether he's a saint, whether he's in sin, whether he's lukewarm, as long as those words are enunciated, that sacrifice and Calvary becomes present. Our spirituality, and that's made solemn, In the Second Vatican Council, on the document on the liturgy that the Mass, which is the presence of the Eucharistic sacrifice, and Communion, the presence of the resurrected Christ, is the center. And Jesus, we're not here to go over facts. We all know the facts. It just takes a few workshops, and we'll start knowing all the right doctrinal facts about the Eucharist. But what we need, Lord, we need conversion. We need to have it in our heart, in our gut, that he is the center. The Eucharist is my center. With a very holy ulterior motive, I want to replicate, at least approach, that commandment that Jesus unveils at the Last Supper. His secret of attracting people, no matter where they're at, that if we have his love, we will be known as his disciples. Why? Because we will reveal him in a clearer way. We won't be flickering lights or lights that blink true lights of Christ, which doesn't come from us, doesn't come from technique, it comes from the grace of God that inspires our freedom, accompanies our freedom, and is a result of our freedom, our freedom to say yes, our freedom to look for. And Lord, we ask you for that conversion that I want to, deep down, to make you the center and to seek a greater union with you in the Eucharist, in the Eucharist as sacrifice in the Mass, in communion, in adoration. I know I repeat anecdotes, and someone assured me, said, you do, but what you want to do is not repeat the anecdote the same day. And this question posed by the Apostles, is a similar question that I posed to now a recognized blessed, blessed Alvaro del Portillo. And the apostles, they're hearing this Eucharistic discourse, and Jesus gives some advice. And I think this is the only time he uses this phrase. He uses the phrase labor. Labor. Now, labor is not just routine work. Labor implies a struggle, sacrifice, effort, a bit of fatigue. Labor causes fatigue. And he uses that word only, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of Eucharistic piety. So he tells us we have to labor. Now, our reason tells us we have to labor, too. It's unbelievable that we actually believe that he's there, that we actually believe in the Eucharistic sacrifice. That comes from God. Well, that's what faith is faith is a, is a theological virtue. We've got to correspond and allow God to intensify that. Saint Jose Maria, who is a canonized saint, who is very centered around the Mass. His faith was so strong, Blessed Alvaro said that you could cut it with a knife. And in, in his last years, he would speak to our Lord, and he had a certain sense of urgency because of the crisis in the church in the 70s. He said, I believe you're here more than if I'd actually see you. That's how strong my faith is. Well, St. Jose Josemaria intercede for us, so we start to approach that. In campus ministry, I'm noticing we have Eucharistic adoration, and it began with a groundswell. The kids themselves wanted Eucharistic adoration. And it gets advertised, and the population of adorers increases. And you know how young people are. Some of them lay prostrate. Probably they've been advised... Well, if you're by yourself, do what you want within reason, but you may draw too much attention to yourself. But I'm edified by that, this devotion. And and people don't need much explanation, they want to come. And usually when a non-Catholic Christian wants to become Catholic, and sometimes it's tearful, especially among the younger echelon of the population, they want the Eucharist. I need the Eucharist. It's always the Eucharist. It's not, well, I finally saw the light. Purgatory exists. You know. <laughs> finally, I like this Pope. I want to be united to the Pope. Or I could handle Mary. I'm going to be a Catholic. It's always the Eucharist, which baffles me, because it's part of the light of faith. They want the Eucharist. And so our Lord says, do not labor for the food which perishes. But for the food which endures to eternal life, make sacrifices to be centered on the Mass, on the Eucharist. It's kind of interesting to note that we pray in the spiritual communion, that we want to tap into the spirit and fervor of the saints. There's some we can imitate more than others. That's why we welcome secular saints, because... uh, you're called to be Christ in the middle of the world, and the more saints we have in the middle of the world, the more we could identify with those saints. Every saint is valuable for our own edification. And you know, you read these, well, you read the life of Saint Jose Maria during the Spanish Civil War, life of Blessed Alvaro, and they jumped through hoops, as it were to always have the blessed sacrament. And under these, humanly speaking, intolerable conditions, they grew in sanctity. The apostolate kept going, even though in terms of organization, everything was in disarray, everything went amok. And the Eucharist was kept in a little cigarette case and put in a drawer a bureau, served as a tabernacle, a little glass, served as a chalice, no vestments. I'm also moved by, and I think he'll be canonized eventually, uh, Cardinal Francis Xavier Twan, quoted by the Holy Father in his exhortation on holiness, on sanctity. I read a couple of books by Cardinal Francis Xavier Twan. He was in prison for 13 years in Vietnam. Nine of those 13 years were in solitary, more or less. Guards would become Catholic. And so the government stopped rotating guards. They cut their losses and just stayed with the same ones. I think they converted as well. And also intolerable conditions. And he went through his own conversion in that prison, you know, because he was kind of a, as, they, as the younger generation would say, a rock star. You know, he was rector of a couple of seminaries, if I'm mistaken, and once he was rector, the enrollment, you know, just shot up. And then finally, he, he wrote books, ran around giving talks, and he was appointed to be Archbishop of Saigon, which now is Ho Chi Minh City. And... They would smuggle in. He had a couple of friends over there. It's hard to get bread in the Far East. Rice patty, rice cake doesn't cut it. It has to be bread, some form of bread. And you need wine, which is also not in abundance there, especially if you're in solitary confinement. But somehow he managed to say mass every day. No vestments, no glass. The wine was put in the palm of his hand. He put a couple of drops in there. And he had a little bit of bread. He'd say Mass every day. And kept them going. So I see a common denominator. We can't spend the whole meditation on all the Eucharistic anecdotes, but I'm going to tell the last one. I was with a group of seminarians on a pilgrimage. It's a big program in Rome. It's called the Rome Experience. And then the tail end is... In the footsteps of Saint Jose Maria. Why? Well, because Saint Jose Maria is the inspiration of this program. And part of the pilgrimage was to have mass at this former Claritian seminary in Barbastro, Spain, where Saint Jose Maria was born. And it was kind of a downer, it always is. Every year it's a downer, but it's a good downer and it was a seminary it had during the Spanish civil war there's 53 seminarians long story short they were arrested and put in prison a former religious house was a former convent or, or monastery was used as a prison and no hygiene you know bad conditions and the people running the prison wanted to break their will and they were making progress, because they started to kill the administration of that seminary, one by one, each day to shake them up. The rec- they start with the rector, next day the vice rector, the next day the spiritual director, then they started to kill faculty consistently, and they were starting to falter. Then the next move was to send prostitutes in there, which they did. Even one of them fell in love with one of the seminarians because he looked like a famous actor. And not all of them were prostitutes. Women were sent in there to break their will. And I was wondering, I felt really embarrassed with myself because I was saying Mass for these guys, and I had a tabernacle configured like a basket. It was a silver basket with a handle protruding out, and I almost hit my head when I was concelebrating. And I said to myself, can't they do better than this? you know, it's a configuration of a basket, a picnic basket. Or just imagine a tabernacle with a handle protruding out, made in the image of a picnic basket. All sorts of, you know, little wooden strips in it, but it was silver. Well, that basket was brought in by a gypsy because they didn't want the guys to die. And he brings bring sandwiches at the end of the day. And so the gypsy, who was a good Catholic, had the Eucharist placed in the sandwiches. That was all prearranged. They all had the heads up. And then very discreetly, they'd open up the sandwich, receive the Eucharist. Total transformation. Total transformation. And how do we know that? Because two of the seminarians enjoyed an immunity from this persecution because they were not Spaniards, they were Argentine. And the two Argentines that survived this reported this to the Vatican. They knew where they were killed. And so the urns of their skeletons, it's kind of grim, but anyway, they're all there underneath the altar. And you can go down in this crypt and see a display case of 51 little urns with their skeletons and holes in their skulls. So it kind of ruined the day of the seminarians. But what are you gonna do? It's positive. Lord, help me believe, increase my faith. Help me labor for this. And on my own, I can make all the efforts in the world. But without God's grace, as we contemplate, I can do nothing. But our Lord, in his love for me, wants my yes. And if I'm going to be honest with myself, and with our Lord, I know what I'm saying. Yes, I know when it's a semi yes. I know when it's a three quarter yes. When I and I know when it's a no. What can I do, Lord? What is this labor involved? Well, I, I need to want to. And Saint Jose Maria says in the way, under the heading of Mass, a very important characteristic of the apostolic man is his love for the Mass. It sounds like, oh, okay, fine, you know, it's, these points, there's more than what meets the eye here. And this point was clarified for me when I was younger and we had a meeting during Holy Week. We have that traditional pilgrimage to Rome, organized by centers of Opus Dei, called the Unive Pilgrimage. And you'd see the Holy Father, visit churches, see the prelate, the Father. And, uh, well, the prelate then, the father was Blessed Alvaro, and he wanted all the priests involved with work with youth to come for a meeting, for a get-together. And I'm tapped on the shoulder to ask a question and break the ice. Basically for comic relief. You You know, I'll butcher the language and loosen people up, and the father will have a little bit of a laugh. All right, what do we do to get more results here? He didn't like the question. He said, we, we're not supposed to be caught up in results. He didn't say that, but said that in another get-together. You know, some of you want to see results. Well, we have to do God's will. We're not into results, we're into love of God. All right. He never had a knee-jerk reaction. I would say St. Maria, when I at least I see the movies, he's got an immediate reaction with a whole array of passions coming out. He, he, he wasn't like that. He was what we call steady Eddie all the time. He was culturally half Mexican, so it probably soften the uh, fiery Spanish blow. Anyway, so I raised by I immediately uncharacteristic, because he'd always have a, an engineer-esque explanation. Go, it was hard to ask a lot of questions because he would be so thorough that you'd only have you know, in an hour, you'd have maybe three questions. It was beautiful stuff. But it wasn't like St. Jose Maria it would be sound bites and quickies. And... This was definitely a, an immediate reaction. He said, without thinking, say mass better. And I look at him frowning, not because that's a bad answer, but I'm not asking about mass. I'm asking about results with the young people. And he said, I know what you asked me. You want to know how to get results with young people. And I'm telling you, begin with the mass. He wasn't a saint then. He says, that's how our father did it, how our founder did it. It was always with the mass. And then he said, sometimes altar boys would break into tears because of his mass. We priests don't need to be on a guilt trip because no one breaks into tears. Well, if they break into tears for me, it's because I went too long in the homily. But they would break into tears. So I want to begin there, Lord, because it's our Mass, our Mass Jesus, as St. Jose Maria says. What resolutions can I make in terms of this labor? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. It's a gentle word, come, but we have to do something. Belief is not as gentle as it sounds. Belief, unless it's inspired by deeds of love, is a dead faith or it's an incomplete faith. That's revealed. And I would say, without imposing rules and regulations upon ourselves to look. Given one's work schedule, one may not have the option to do it the way we do it now. But, if possible, I would recommend, and a priest friend of mine believes this so much that that he was going to advise someone maybe not to go to daily Mass unless he or she could do some mental prayer before Mass. Let's not throw away the baby with the bath water. And, and I said, well, if you get someone to go to Dale Mass, that's pretty good. He says, yeah, but you know, to really avoid routine and make it super special, it's good to do mental prayer before. I, I obviously agree. But if we could do the prayer before Mass, because that, that prayer has a function of, of preparation, of being more centered. And if we could do it before the Blessed Sacrament, and if we could do, you know, faith and reason need to mesh. Well, i got to run out of mass because I get to work. Okay, that's what you got to do, no problem. No problem. We do the Thanksgiving on the run, do the thing on the train, do the thing in the car, whatever. But let's make sure that really is the case. Or I stay for five minutes because psychologically everybody's cleared out and I'm the only guy in there. Do you have to leave now, or can you stay for 10 minutes? Well, I guess I can stay for 10 minutes. You know, is this going to compromise your professional work? Yes. Well, then just stay for five minutes. I'm late as it is. Get out of there. Can I stay for 10 minutes? Well, I guess I can. But there's nobody else. Everybody's cleared out. Stay there with the flexibility of, hey, there's, a, there's someone here, I want to meet them after Mass. Well, then you know, our Lord understands. Let's go to the Blessed Virgin Mary. St. John Paul titled her the Woman of the Eucharist. Woman of the Eucharist, pray for us so that more than amassing information, we convert to the truth that the Mass for me, for the sake of the work of evangelization, must be the center of my life. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.